This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you had a successful and safe uh, holiday weekend, 4th of July holiday. It was kind of odd. It felt like a three-day weekend, but it was two, even though I did the five on Friday night. I really felt like everyone was in vacation mode here on Friday. I did, I did not know Friday was technically a vacation day for the country. And then you had July 4th, and then you had July 5th. So now we're back, ready for action, and it's truly the summer now. Now, no excuse. Uh, joining us uh, this uh, this hour will be Congressman Michael Waltz. Uh, Congressman had everything to do with Jacksonville getting the RNC when Charlotte refused to commit to allow one arena to be filled for the president's speeches or any of the speeches. But now the CDC director is saying, I'm not too sure, the FDA director, I'm not too sure it's a good idea to have it in Jacksonville. How does he feel about that? So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The case fatality rate is going down because we're able to save more people who are hospitalized and get critically ill. But the total number of deaths is going to start going up again um, as the number of hospitalizations starts to spike again. That is uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb. You know he used to run the FDA. Coronavirus rises, disturbing levels in Texas, Arizona, Florida. How do we fight while living and working through it? That's the president's strategy to do just that. And why are we having such a hard time getting a true handle on the lethality numbers? Number two. These aren't police officers shooting people on the streets of Atlanta. These are members of the community shooting each other. You can't blame this on the police officer. You can't say that we this is about criminal justice reform. Uh, that is Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. I give her so much credit. I don't know a lot about her, but at least she's able to call balls and strikes. Racial justice, all I see is death and destruction. Fourth of July weekend saw crime rage in American cities, big and small. Why? When is Black Lives Matter and black leaders going to decry the black-on-black violence that we witnessed this weekend and that the mayor of Atlanta brought up? The president offered to help, and one mayor who is a VP finalist did just that. Uh, not enough to save the kids this weekend, though, but a start. Number one. We should focus on changing hearts, not changing stone. There's no end to it. Do we destroy the pyramids? They were built by slaves. The Acropolis in Athens. There's no end in sight. Doug Weed, historian, commonly on this show. War on history hits a new low. Knocking off Fred Douglas. Frederick Douglas, are you kidding me? In his hometown of Rochester, New York? He's an escaped slave who ends up becoming an international star because of the autobiography that he published. He's mocking, uh, and by the way, they're mocking President Trump at Mount Rushmore. They're calling them slave owners outside Teddy Roosevelt. And even um, uh, even that event at Mount Rushmore and the language the president used, calling the country great. And in the progress we made along the way, not denying our missteps along the way, 
but now appearing at Mount Rushmore, which Bernie Sanders and Tammy Duckworth are on the record praising and being in awe of, now it's a problem. Now it's, wow, that's kind of uh, uh, tone deaf to American Indian rights. Really? We pretty much settled this in 1880. So I thought the Wall Street Journal, who is so critical of the president, Two weeks ago about the way he's running his campaign, essentially my words. Remember Angelo Dundee said to Sugar Ray Leonard when he was fighting Tommy Hearns the first time and he was fully mic'd up. I don't know how, maybe in a boom microphone. He looked at uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and said, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. And that's what the Wall Street Journal was saying. You had it. You got hit with something you weren't expecting. Get it together. And the Wall Street Journal listened to the critics after this a speech the president gave and said, this is an example. Have you not given this guy a fair shot? There was nothing divisive about his message. He was saying, stand up for America's past. Let me tell you a little bit about George Washington. Let me tell you a little bit about what made Abraham Lincoln great. Let me tell you a little bit about Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King Jr. And let's talk about this guy named Teddy Roosevelt. I think that they say Teddy Roosevelt is is the most written about outside after Lincoln and the most lauded popular. And now all of a sudden you can't keep a statue in New York city. So the president thought it would be important to bring that up. So the media headlines went crazy. Trump's push to amplify racism unnerves Republicans who have long enabled him. What are you, what are you talking about with that headline? That's the most negative headline I've ever heard. Trump doubles down on divisive messaging and speech to honor independence. Think about that. He runs through American history with the backdrop of Mount Rushmore, and he's being divisive. Not a COVID care. Maskless Trump packs packs him in. Well, they were outdoors. Uh, I didn't see many masks either. That was a choice they made. I know this happened Friday, but this was the major story over the weekend. And I think the president setting up a garden of great Americans is great. You got to put, uh, Mr. President, you got to put some Democrats in there. So if Scalia gets in there, you got to get somebody on the other side. I'm just saying. Uh, also, a Democrat named Andrew Jackson can get in there. A Republican named Frederick Douglass can get in there. Here's cut three. We will never allow an angry mob to tear down our statues, erase our history indoctrinate our children or trample on our freedoms. We will safeguard our values, traditions, customs, and beliefs. We will teach our children to cherish and adore their country so that they can build its future. Yeah, it's so divisive. How dare he inspire children? It gets even more divisive. Cut 20. Our movement is based on lifting all citizens to reach their fullest God-given potential. Never forget, we are one family and one nation. This rich heritage belongs to every citizen, young and old, first generation, American. We want to go from first generation to 10th generation. It matters not. We are American. We are from the USA. How dare he tear us apart like that? I felt as though I wanted to beat somebody up. I'm so angry with that message of divisiveness. We're all one. How dare he use that term? Sickening. By the way, let's just uh, give Colin Kaepernick a pass. Here's Colin Kaepernick on the 4th of July, feeling very red, white, and bluish. 
Black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, and criminalized, terrorized by America for centuries, and are expecting to join your commemoration of independence while you enslaved our ancestors. We reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. Why is he in America? Why is that getting a pass? Terrible country. Barack Obama's president. Terrible country. Michael Jordan, the most famous athlete in the world, maybe supplanted by Muhammad Ali. I think Louis Armstrong was one of the first musicians I ever remember listening to. What a horrible country. I, I, I have no idea what's going on. I think is where up is down and down is up. The president gave a great speech. It would have been easier if he said, guys, do me a favor. Wear a mask. So just make people focus on what I say. But I guess it wouldn't have mattered in the long run. He's going to have another major event, and it's going to be in New Hampshire. It's going to be outdoors in an airplane hangar or uh, or an airport. Good idea. Governor Christy Noem gave a fantastic speech. I think there's no question she's going to be a contender in 2024. She's the governor of South Dakota. Cut five. You know, rather than looking to the past to help improve our future, some are trying to wipe away the lessons of history, lessons that we should be teaching to our children and to our grandchildren. This approach focuses exclusively on our forefathers' flaws, but it fails to capitalize on the opportunity to learn from their virtues. Make no mistake, this is being done deliberately to discredit America's founding principles by discrediting the individuals who formed them so that America can be remade into a different political image. Well, that's the governor. And... If she's extremely confident and extremely competent and extremely experienced for a young person. Uh, so I look for her to be a main, main governor, Haley, Tom Cotton, Mike Pompeo. I think Lindsey Graham perhaps is going to run. There's going to be a lot of people running. But if you look at all the stars on the right. You would think that this is like a there's nobody on the left. Nobody. I mean, you got Governor Gavin Newsom. Let's just see what uh, I guess he could emerge. We'll see. So remember I went to you, I told you before, seconds ago, that the Wall Street Journal liked the speech and couldn't believe the critics. And they opened up this editorial today, and I opened up and I think, oh, my goodness, now the Wall Street Journal. But the Wall Street Journal was actually quoting other headlines to say, give me a break. Of course, there are so many tweets and things that you could vilify. Why this? Here's Bill McGurn from the Wall Street Journal. Trump, in many ways, I was I was reading the editorial, a draft of it, and on TV was um, uh, uh, the movie about uh, Jimmy Cagney playing George M. Cohan. And I realized Trump is really George M. Cohan. He just likes excess. He likes patriotism. He likes flags. He likes military hardware. I think that people love this kind of thing. I'm, I'm firmly with my colleagues. There was no darkness in there except for people who think America is a dark place. It was really a beautiful speech in a lot of ways. And you should go back and read the other presidents who have been there. Calvin Coolidge's dedication speech. Some of them are really, really inspiring. The whole thing is inspiring. I guess this Fox Nation feature uh, might be the best one. Did with Ryan Zinke, who was Secretary of Interior. And he brought me through the back, and we saw the back of the heads, and we saw the shaft where the Constitution Bill of Rights was supposed to go in case of a nuclear war. And it's amazing the way it's done and the museum that's there. you got to be proud to be an American. Instead, they go, well, Borglum was somebody that was a white supremacist. And back then, there's three of those heads uh, were people, two of those heads were people that owned slaves. And uh, why is Teddy Roosevelt up there? 
and, it, and the land belongs, the mountain belongs to the American Indians. So, uh, my goodness, that's what we're dealing with in 2020. Uh, over the weekend was a disaster for the country and for major cities. You saw 150 uh, uh, were wounded over the weekend in Atlanta, uh, in Portland, in New York, in Chicago. I mean, some staggering numbers. 77 shot with 17 deaths in Chicago over the weekend. You believe this? In New York, uh, shootings were up 205%, 42 shot, nine killed. That used to be a Chicago issue, and New York was fine. Now New York is getting just as bad. And sadly, a little girl lost her life when she was shot in a car with a mom outside the same Wendy's where that incident happened uh, with the police officer and uh, the the victim that fell asleep in the drive through lane. Here's Atlanta's mayor who points out, stop blaming white cops for all the problems. When the stats say they're not all the problems, not by a long shot. Cut 14. These aren't police officers shooting people on the streets of Atlanta. These are members of the community shooting each other. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we this is about criminal justice reform. This is about some people carrying some weapons who shot up a car with an eight-year-old baby in the car. For what? If you want people to take us seriously and you want you don't want us to lose this movement, then we can't lose each other. Yeah, and then uh, you heard others, uh, uh, Sequoia Williamson, the father of the eight-year-old who was killed, said this, cut 15. They say Black Lives Matter, you killed your own. Killed your own this time, just because of burial. They killed my baby because she crossed the barrier and made a U-turn. You killed a child. She didn't do nothing to nobody but Black Lives Matter. It's unbelievable. And I will say this. Stop with the two national anthems. Stop with the two Americas. We're a country that constantly gets better. That's what the Constitution is all about. Keep on making progress. Keep on growing. We keep on doing it. You can protest. You just don't riot. Uh, Try to be one country. Tell your story, whether your ethnic background, but do it under the premises. The foundation is you're an American. And then build from there and build the branches from there and then talk about it. I mean, go. I remember in school, we always used to say, well, you're Irish and you're Italian. We have international days where people bring some food from their heritage. It's great. Embrace your past. Embrace your heritage. But fundamentally, the foundation's got to be pro-American. Think about how much more effective Black Lives Matter would be if they said, love this country. Here's how I'd like to make it better. Here's what I don't like about the past. Let's make it better. Boom. All in. I'm telling you right now, this whole country, 340 million people would be all in on that. But when you wreck the place, when you say you don't want to be an American, when you have Kaepernick tweeting out what he tweets out, that's a non-starter for clear-thinking people who don't want an agenda, who don't have an agenda. one 408 7669 So you had a lot of discussions over the weekend. Maybe you had a chance to meet with neighbors. You have a lot of things in your head. Get on board. Let the rest of the country hear what's on your mind. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. This great heritage belongs to citizens of every background and of every walk of life. No matter our race, color, religion, or creed, we are one America, and we put America first. We will not allow anyone to divide our citizens by race or background. We will not allow them to foment hate, discord, and distrust. We will hold fast and true to the sacred loyalties that link us all as neighbors, as Americans, and as patriots. Uh, that was part of a great speech over the weekend. I, I don't know what the problem is, but it shows an insanity towards the president. And that's what they were focusing on other channels. My hope is that people out there will realize these riots in the streets, these Occupy uh, efforts are not really red and blue. It's anti-red, white, and blue. Uh, let's go to Ed is in New York. Hey, Ed. Yeah, hi. You hey, there? Yep, what's on your mind? Okay, um, I don't know if you've seen the face-off at, what was it, Stonehill? Yeah, I heard about it. Uh, uh, well, have you seen it? No. Okay, it's 200 people armed to the teeth, 30-round magazines, six or seven magazines. These guys are out, they're outfitted. Ex, some of them are ex-military. There's 200 of them. They opened fire, I believe, on, on the car either last night or this morning, killed an eight-year-old girl. They have made statements on YouTube that they are ready. They want. They said that they want their own land to open their own black nation. That's all fine and dandy. My question for the governor of Georgia, he, is he going to send a SWAT team? These guys are armed to the teeth. If you haven't seen this video uh, at Stone Hill, you need to look at it because it puts our SWAT teams to shame what these guys are armed with. And, 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 and you know, you've you got to just ask, do they have explosives? Do they have RPGs? What else do they have? Because you should have seen what they showed up with at Stone Hill. I mean, they're looking. Uh, they're gonna. You gotta look out that they're gonna try to blow up those heads. What? 
blow up stone on the mountain. They're going to blow up the um, Stonewall Jackson and uh, Robert E. Lee. They're, they're, I mean, is the governor of Georgia going to allow this militia to exist? You know what? I have to get on top of it. I did not see. I did not see a video of that. What, what goes on? But I am. It was the Black Panthers. They arrived at the Stone Mountain Confederate Memorial in Georgia to protest its reopening because of its ties to the KKK. Protest in New York City turned an American flag near Trump Tower and did the same similar thing. So Black Panthers showed up in your city. Incredible. Uh, thanks so much, Ed. We should find out what's going on because everyone's getting a pass. And there's just lawlessness everywhere. one 408 7669 Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Do you think it's safe to hold that event in Florida? I think it's too early to tell. Um, We'll have to see how this unfolds in Florida and elsewhere around the country. says, I'm not sure if it's safe or not to have the convention uh, in the last week in August in Jacksonville. Uh, How does Congressman Michael Waltz from that very, uh, who's about to join us, uh, from that very uh, congressional committee who helped lobby the president to move the big events over to Jacksonville, Florida, where people are renting homes, including our company, in order to go there. I know this is an unpredictable thing and pandemics are causing everybody to change gears on every moment. But I thought the Jacksonville thing, we'd find a way one way or another. He doesn't know if it's the right way. So that's a little strange. Uh, Dr. Aisha Jha was a, is a Harvard Global Health Minister uh, from, the, from the Global Health Institute over at Harvard, was on Fox News Sunday. I'm just trying to make heads or tails about why these cases are growing substantially. In Texas, they're getting nervous in Houston about beds. In uh, Florida, they're getting a little worried about 11,000 a day. It sounds slightly down for the previous day. Arizona, they're concerned. You know, is it just the basics Wash your hands, wear a mask, and without washing your hands, wear a mask. Is happening or is there something else? Did did the virus change? Cut 30. We're in a pretty tough spot right now. We have large outbreaks happening in large parts of our country. Uh, About two-thirds of the country uh, is seeing increases in cases. And we got here, Mike, because of a couple of reasons. One is... I think we opened up a little too early in some places. A lot of states didn't meet the White House's own guidelines for when to open up safely. Uh, we didn't have the kind of testing and tracing infrastructure that we needed. And then last but not least, there's been a lot of mixed messaging on masks and social distancing. And so all of that has contributed to what I think is a perilous moment for our country. And what he's talking about, too, is the mass different from the president's pandemic council, he has nothing to do with that. Leave it to the scientists. We know about the Surgeon General telling us not to wear a mask could actually make things worse. And then the social distancing, you better do it, you better do it, you better do it. But those protests are just fine. Not even expressing any outrage. So that's what people said, screw it, I'm going to the beach. And I'm going to stay four feet, uh, four inches away from somebody. You're not going to do anything. 
And now it's walking back a lot of those privileges that we got back in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and other places that seem unlikely to be experiencing somewhat of a resurgence. So I got some numbers, but Dr. Scott Gottlieb used to be with the administration, cut 34. We're right back where we were at the peak of the epidemic during the New York outbreak. The difference now is that we really had one epicenter of spread when New York was going through its hardship. Now we really have four major epicenters of spread, Los Angeles, cities in Texas, cities in Florida, um, and Arizona. And that is true. It makes it more difficult, but it's still local. This whole thing is local. Now we have the PPE. Now you got the money support. Now you got the ventilators, which they try not to use because it's usually a death sentence. Only 20% come out of it. Now they got remdesivir and hydroxychloroquine, which, by the way, a new study shows it is effective and has been effective. Just so happens the president said he thinks it works and everyone had to run to the other side. It's a shame. Michael Waltz joins us now. Congressman uh, Waltz had everything to do with getting Jacksonville the RNC. Congressman, I, I played this. I, I played the FDA director saying, I'm not sure if everything's going to be okay to have the convention in Jacksonville. Are you sure? Yeah. Hey, Brian. Look, I think there's going to be a, a number of key things in place that will be announced uh, over the coming weeks. One of the things that they're working on is getting a testing regime. Uh, uh, that will handle uh, the participants, will handle the convention. We can do this safely. I fully trust uh, the the governor and the mayor. You know they have been they have been right on this thing all along, despite all of the negativity that's been thrown at them. Uh, I, look, I'm in Florida now. Personal responsibility matters. Uh, businesses matter. Uh, people are wearing masks when they go inside, and they take them off when they're outside on a beautiful day. Uh, I, look, I, the, the, the end of the day, what is being thrown um, uh, at Florida and being thrown at the leadership here is this notion that they opened too soon and that they need to close back down. And that is just not a responsible solution. It's just not possible. So we have to learn to live with this. I mean, when you hear Governor Cuomo saying he's going to keep things shut down until we have a vaccine, well, what does that mean? Does that mean until one's invented? Does that mean one's fully produced, fully distributed? And, you know, meanwhile, Brian, what drives me nuts is is that the people making these decisions are receiving government paychecks. They're getting paid twice a month when these business owners are having their livelihoods destroyed, when we can do both, uh, uh, are not. And, and I just don't think that's a responsible conversation to say we are going to shut back down uh, when in northeast Florida right now our, our ICU beds are at 30%. Uh, As you stated, the goal always was flatten the curve so that our hospital systems can prepare, not that a single person wasn't going to get an infection. Well, I'll give you an example of how crazy things are. I mean, I I know the president, he wants to let the states make the decisions, and the states are, in many cases, letting mayors make some decisions. But here's how crazy it is. Now the New Jersey governor says no indoor dining, yet they're they're down to single digits or barely double digits in cases. There were zero cases in Suffolk County of where the Hamptons is. People might know around the country. Uh, zero cases. They still won't open up any gyms uh, in Manhattan. They go, we're moving to phase three, except for no indoor dining. Really? All the restaurateurs hired their people back. And then you change gears like that for no reason. Yeah. And the cases are down. 
Who the hell are you to do this to these people? And by the way, the banks aren't getting paid because the landlords aren't getting paid and the landlords are kicking out all these restaurants and the restaurants goes, listen, I can't pay my bills anyway. Maybe you're doing me a favor, even though they took PPE money in order to sustain their businesses. So everyone said, well, I got to, you know, I got to be cautious. Keep in mind, there's a price to pay for caution. Well, that's absolutely right. And and the other piece is to is to just to treat the entire country or even a state as large as Florida with kind of these one size fits all policies. And that's where, you know, again, as you were saying, local rule matters. Local officials are elected. Uh, they do have a voice and they and they do have authority. And so in the case of Florida, you know, the vast majority are in South Florida. And if the mayor of, of Miami wants to pull back and pull back on their beaches temporarily to let things cool down, that's fine. But that is drastically different than north, northeast Florida, the panhandle, much more rural, much lower case count. And, and as I was stating, the hospitals, the hospitals have plenty of room. Look, we don't want anyone to get sick. Don't get me wrong. But I, I don't think it is responsible, given the suicides, the depressions, the deaths, the opioid addiction, all of the other the elective surgeries that aren't getting done. The consequences of continued unwarranted shutdowns are significant. And the mainstream media is not talking about them. Right. Uh, and yeah. but we have to. Well, in Texas, they are getting more, a little concerned about hospital beds in Houston and a couple other cities. Now, they, they have liberal areas of Texas, like there's liberal areas of every state and one of which is Austin. That mayor was against reopening uh, at the pace in which the governor was reopening, who has since pushed pull back uh, on this. And the numbers are growing significantly. Here's what Mayor Stephen Adler said about the virus. And he thinks the president is screwing up. Cut 20, cut 27. It's not harmless. Uh, there are people that are dying in my community. It's incredibly disruptive. Uh, and the messaging coming from the president of the United States is dangerous and it is harmful. Uh, one of the biggest problems that we have in terms of getting the community to do those behaviors that are necessary to coexist with this virus, one of the biggest challenges we have is the messaging coming out of Washington that would suggest that masks don't work or it's not necessary or that the virus is going away on its own. That is one of the chief hurdles and, and, and barriers that we're facing. Your reaction? Well, I think that's unfortunately that's playing politics with this virus, which we which we've absolutely seen that the, the president has been clear. Heck, I know uh, a number of the senior folks in the White House that are spending their days dealing with other countries giving ventilators away because uh, of, of the policies that he took to kick our industrial base into overdrive, and in some cases use the Defense Production Act to get PPE manufactured, to get the uh, correct drugs, uh, you know, the Operation Warp Speed with the vaccine, to get ventilators manufactured. Uh, but, you know, on the one hand, these, these local officials, you know, they have the authority to pull back if they want. On the other hand, they're perfectly fine to accept all the federal help from the president from the Congress and, and, and everyone else. So, you know, I think uh, there, there, is, there is just a philosophical difference in the viewpoints here. The federal government is there to provide resources down to the state level and down to the local level, which the president has absolutely done. But at the end of the day, downtown Austin, downtown Miami is different than West Indiana, Oklahoma, Alaska. And that is where, you know, we have to have some nuance and some middle ground as we're making these decisions. 
but but again, this demand for one size fits all national shutdowns, national mask mandates, uh, I, I just think is is really endemic of how we view governing and how the left views governing. So one and thing to is, me, it yeah. just doesn't make sense. Uh, the lack of law and order in our country is something you used to doing when you were in the when you were in the army. But yeah. we're seeing 77 shot in Chicago, 17 dead in Atlanta. Uh, 14 were wounded and one killed, including a seven year old girl. Um, she is killed just by being in a car and go and her mom driving up to a barricade. This is this is black on black crime that we understand in Portland. They've had 38 straight days of unrest and violence, and they're looking to and making progress on disbanding the entire police force. In New York, shootings were up 205%. There were 42 shot and nine killed in New York over the weekend. This lawlessness that's happening, I've never seen it in my lifetime. Michael, have you? President says, I might be, to, I'm asking these mayors if they need help, I might do something anyway. What could, could he do about this? Well, you know, what was so sad to me, Brian, was. And this was politics at its worst with what just happened with this police reform bill, where a very reasonable compromise bill that would could take steps uh, that came from Tim Scott that came out of the Senate was blocked by the Democrats in the Senate so that Pelosi could pass her bill, uh, which she knew there were things in there like banning no knock warrants like pulling immunity away from uh, away from police that we would never support and never get signed into law. But she wanted to be able to point to the fact that she passed a bill and the Senate didn't, knowing that at the end of the day, nothing would get signed into law rather than sitting down, compromising with Republicans uh, and compromising with the president so that we could maybe have 60 percent of something rather than 100 percent of nothing. And Clyburn uh, said so over the that, last weekend, James Clyburn said to uh, said to his interview, I think it was Meet the Press. Yeah, the, uh, Mitch McConnell would not let uh, Senator um, uh, would not let uh, not let Senator um, Tim Scott. Yeah, say, not let Senator Tim Scott or anybody else negotiate with the Democrats, and that's just not true. No, it's absolutely no, it's absolutely not true uh, on on that side. And not a single Republican was invited to the table by Nancy, by Nancy Pelosi. So if she had 10 things in her bill and we could come to a compromise on five or six that could go to the president and get signed, that's how it's supposed to be done. That's how our system should work rather than this purist approach so that she could say, I passed something and they didn't. Yeah. I don't know uh, we, but at the end yeah. of the day, it doesn't get signed into law. And that is a shame. I've never seen this kind of uh, lawlessness in my lifetime. I think the American people are going to demand change and defunding police, whether these are sex crimes units, molestation units, inner city units, undercover units, that that the police need more uh, resources, not less, more training, not less. And I want everybody listening to know you absolutely have my support. There's men and women in blue strapping on that belt and badge every day to get between us and the bad guy. And any any politician doesn't say that, they should be fired. Congressman Waltz, uh, last question. I believe Democrats, and you tell me if, when you talk to them, they're very confident they're going to win the presidency and the Senate, going to pass this simple filibuster, and they're going to change everything. Everything. Yeah, look, I mean, Brian, this is what I keep saying. These leftist policies uh, that we are seeing, whether it's Green New Deal, defund the police, government-run health care, this is not just rhetoric. 
and hot air from you know Bernie, from Elizabeth Warren or others. These that legislation is passing the House. It is stopping, but for a few seats in the Senate and the presidency, it will become law. Nancy Pelosi will be the tail wagging the dog. She will be, you know, to a new Biden administration saying, sign here, Mr. President, sign here. Uh, and that will become law. That will become the, the new America. And that is not an America that I almost died twice for uh, defending. Uh, a, a socialist America and one being then run and dominated by Chinese communists around the world in a new world order that where they call the shots and America doesn't. So that's really what's at stake this election. And we have to turn out and vote. But just so you know, for the record, lastly, if, if you're going to the Jacksonville convention, Jacksonville for the convention, you should still go. Yes, you should still go. There is a absolutely you should still go. We are working, like I said, on full protective measures. There's going to be more hand sanitizer than you could shake a stick at. There's going to be masks. There's going to be, uh, you know, I don't want to get ahead of the RNC, but they are working on a very robust testing regime. Absolutely, you should come. And like I said, that this is a shot in the arm that our business community uh, uh, badly needs. We can come together safely. Uh, and celebrate this president's nomination. And, and what I'm looking forward to him doing is talking about his record, uh, from justice reform to tax reform to, to the bills for the Veterans Administration to everything he's done from Israel for Israel gotcha. and right down the list. He's got a lot to run on, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to him talking about it. Congressman Waltz, thanks so much. See you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Brian. Uh, back with your phone calls, one 866 The president just tweeted. I'll share it. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans. Yeah, that's one way to look at Mount Rushmore. Two slave owners or the one who won our independence, George Washington, or the one who wrote the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, was our third president. Uh, Matt, listen, WFTL in Palm Beach, Florida. Hey, Matt. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Great. What's on your mind? Thank you so much for Thank you so much for taking the call. Listen, I think the administration is doing a terrible job of explaining the COVID numbers. Let me let me just go over a few things. Yep. We are we have just completed our 10th consecutive week of daily death uh, uh, declines. Literally, at our peak 10 weeks ago, we were averaging about 2116 deaths per day for a 7-day period. As of yesterday, when we had 251 or 254, however you want to count it, uh, we are averaging about 502 deaths per day. Now, the, the incline in our spikes, which Florida, Texas, Arizona, is definitely seeing spikes. But even on Fox, I heard the other day that they were saying, well, you know, uh, on Memorial Day, people just couldn't wait to just, uh, you know, get out to restaurants anymore. That's not what happened. It's it's that George Floyd died, got murdered, 
on Memorial Day and then the spikes. Why do you think our average age of infected went from 65 to 35? Absolutely. And we talked about that. Uh, They were not saying the protests had anything to do with the spike. And that's a lie. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Well, from New York and heard around the country and around the globe. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. I hope you had a sensational Fourth of July weekend. We're not in the middle of this carnage in some of these cities, big and small across the country. This has got to stop. Of course, I'm sure you're engaged in intense debates, whether you're for Trump, against Trump. Usually Biden doesn't even come up. It's all about the president of the United States uh, and what he can and can't do. And that's what makes this so interesting. In the middle of a pandemic, trying to have an election, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, trying to figure out what's going on with the violence in our cities, as well as the so, the racial unrest and the destruction of our heritage. Unbelievable. One of these stories would have been huge. Five at the same time, bit of a challenge. Michael Goodwin standing by. Uh, he'll talk about the carnage in New York, and it is. The shootings are through the roof. Shootings were up 205% over the last six months and start, starting to be getting worse. And I'm sure you might have seen clips of or watched the speech of the president at Mount Rushmore. It was a brilliant speech, well-delivered, the president truly inspired. But if you read the Washington Post, New York Times, or any other publication, not, not foxnews.com or the New York Post, you would think it was one of the most divisive speeches ever. It wasn't. The Wall Street Journal lead editorial, which skewered the president two weeks ago, praised that speech and talked about the insanity of the rest of the other media outlets. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The case fatality rate is going down because we're able to save more people who are hospitalized and get critically ill. But the total number of deaths is going to start going up again um, as the number of hospitalizations starts to spike again. Uh, Here we go. Dr. Scott Gottlieb noting that things are happening with the coronavirus, not good in the South. Uh, Disturbing levels in Texas, Arizona and Florida. How do we fight this while living and working through it? President Trump's strategy is to do just that and why we are having such a hard time getting a true handle on the lethality of it. Number two. These aren't police officers shooting people on the streets of Atlanta. These are members of the community shooting each other. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we this is about criminal justice reform. It isn't. Uh, mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, mayor of Atlanta. Racial justice. All I see is death and destruction. Fourth of July weekend saw crime rage in American cities, which is Black Lives Matter and black leaders are not even bringing up the fact that this is black on black crime. Show your sincerity and try to make things better by looking at all sides of this issue. The president has offered to help. And one mayor who is a VP finalist did just that. I think that she upped her stake a lot by the fair way in which she's dealing with the horror in Atlanta. Number one. We should focus on changing hearts, not changing stone. There's no end to it. Do we destroy the pyramids? They were built by slaves. The Acropolis in Athens. There's no end in sight. War in history hits new low, knocking off Frederick Douglass. Yeah, in his hometown of Rochester and mocking President Trump's Mount Rushmore speech. 
and uh, and the whole event in particular. The fight is on to make sure our greatness is not denied or forgotten, as well as our missteps along the way. And the president's going to make that a campaign issue. Michael Goodwin joins us now. He's a New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Michael, is that a good move, uh, outlining this attack plan on those who would topple and ridicule our past? Uh, good morning, Brian. Well, look, I think the president's speech um, at Mount Rushmore was uh, generally well received by people who were open to the idea. But of course, you know, the, na- the, the notion that the speech is divisive, uh, you know, it, it is. Of course it is. It, it's divisive in that the president is appealing to those who love America. Uh, he is not appealing to those who hate America. So if that's what the New York Times and Washington Post mean by divisive, then they're right. The problem, of course, is every president does that. No president says, I can reach 100% of the country. That, that's fantasy land. The president is in a campaign where his opponents and the media have tried to uh, twist every word he says and try to drum up support against him. For him to fight back is, of course, you know, for, for them, he can't fight back. He has to surrender to us. He has to agree that we're right and he's wrong. So, look, I, I think it's nonsense what the New York Times does, what the Washington Post does. It's, it's amazing to me that anyone, even those who dislike Trump, read those periodicals and say, well, this is journalism. This is pure political advocacy. This is activism. This has nothing to do with the events of the United States for most people. It is in their own mind and it is their own power grab that they're up to. Oh, you want to hear how divisive it was? Oh, you haven't heard any of it? Let's listen together and watch America be divided. Cut three. We will never allow an angry mob to tear down our statues, erase our history, indoctrinate our children, or trample on our freedoms. We will safeguard our values, traditions, customs, and beliefs. We will teach our children to cherish and adore their country so that they can build its future. Uh, what is controversial about any of that? I mean, we're, next thing they're going to be going for the Statue of Liberty. They're going to be tearing up Ellis Island. We're supposed to just allow that to happen? Well, that's it. If you if you are and part of an angry mob or the defender of an angry mob, that's a divisive speech because he's not appealing to you. He is appealing to you know the silent majority, the, the Americans who do not favor the angry mobs and do not support the desecration of our history. And you know this is not about a few statues. I mean, you know, I think I think Brian, that it's an easy way for the opponents to sort of cheapen uh, the appeal. It's not about a few statues. It's about the history of America. Are we going to tear it down because we find it wanting next to our current? standards of purity. Uh, You know, I I think what's missing here is a bit of humility. I mean, is there anybody on the face of the earth who hasn't done something stupid, said something stupid, had evil thoughts and evil desires? I mean, that's what it is to be human. And so if we're going to go find the worst thing that anybody ever said or did uh, in history, 
and and destroy them over that we're going to we're not going to find anybody we respect we're not going to find anybody we trust and you know Brian you think about it in terms of schools you know i was raised in an era when we looked up to the founders we looked up to abraham lincoln so and the civil war i mean who are the heroes of the black lives matter movement if not frederick douglas who uh, if not Abraham Lincoln, who? And I think that's one of the detrimental effects of all this on young people, is it destroys the notion that there's anything special about Americans, American history, uh, our form of government. I mean, it, and, and I think that is the aim. It is to erase and destroy any good image we have of the past or, uh, by extension, of the present and the future. And I think that's... President Trump is not particularly articulate on many occasions. He often gets in the way of what he's trying to say. I mean, apparently this morning he's attacking Bubba Wallace over the over the noose issue at NASCAR. Dumbest thing I ever. Mean, yeah, I mean, but he continues to do that, and I don't know why because that speech really is is to me. If, if followed consistently, that is the agenda of a second term. That is the rationale for why yeah. you want four more years. But if it's going to be about tweeting about the latest news story or attacking the media constantly, even attacking Fox, you know, attacking Chris Cuomo's ratings, who cares? Who cares, Mr. Nobody. President? Why do you watch this crap? Why do you engage in this? I mean, I got to say, I find it personally infuriating. There's much more at stake in this country than Bubba Wallace's uh, story about the noose, whether he believed it or not, whether Chris, Chris Cuomo's ratings. I mean, who cares? Why does the president care? I find it personally disturbing that he cares about these things. Well, let's uh, switch to the shootings over the weekend. 42 shot in New York, nine killed. Uh, the number of shooting victims has gone up 51% to 616 in New York City. In June, there were 250 shootings compared to 90, uh, 97 in 2019. Uh, de Blasio has let things go crazy. Uh, overall, shootings were up 205%. Now, Chicago, we're getting numb to this. But, by the way, it could have been a lot worse. There was an NYPD vehicle with a bullet through the back that just missed two cops. They just happened to be driving through in Portland. 38 straight days of unrest. They already making maneuvers to defund and dismantle the police. 77 shot over the weekend in Chicago. 77 and 17 killed in Atlanta. You had a seven-year-old girl killed because the mom looked like she got close too close to a barricade, so they just shot into the car. I mean, how do you? How do I get my head around these numbers? They are extraordinary. I mean, it, it's a slaughter that's going on, and you have to say, Brian, that it is directly result from the anti-police rhetoric that has chilled. Uh, and scared the mayors in these cities and the, and the uh, the city councils and they've so they've all pulled back from policing and if you're a police officer I was talking about this yesterday with family if you're a police officer what would you do 
would you enforce the anti-fireworks law? Would you, would you arrest uh, uh, someone speeding? I mean, you are going to look to begin to protect yourself because nobody else is going to. You can't send a soldier into battle if the country doesn't, isn't going to support that soldier. And that's what we're doing in this country. We're, we're asking the police to risk their it. lives. But if they do anything that we don't like or we can second-guess them, then that's it. We're going to hang them out to dry. So what rational police officer trusts his boss these days? None. Michael. If I were a police officer in New York City, would I, would I try to enforce the law under Bill de Blasio? Probably not. Not, 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 by, not in a long shot. While you're cutting my overtime? Fantastic. So, so Michael, you are, you are somebody that likes to solve problems. And if you want to solve a problem and there is a problem with racial disparity in this country, if I would have a commission there that's going to report to me September 1st with the answers, whether it's housing, whether it's schooling, let's try to solve this once and for all. Let's try to make us better. Number two is you would think that the biggest, second biggest problem in this country is too many white officers just shooting black, uh, 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 black citizens. For no reason. But that's not the case. We know that black and black crime is a much bigger problem than any white police officer shooting a black man, uh, justified or not. And that's what we're seeing this weekend. We saw that's all black on black crime in Chicago. It's all black on black crime in New York. And in Atlanta, a seven-year-old girl is killed. And I got to give credit to the Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. She, uh, she was calling on Atlanta to be better a few weeks ago, and she said this yesterday, cut 14. These aren't police officers shooting people on the streets of Atlanta. These are members of the community shooting each other. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we, this is about criminal justice reform. This is about some people carrying some weapons who shot up a car with an eight-year-old baby in the car. For what? If you want people to take us seriously and you want you don't want us to lose this movement, then we can't lose each other. And besides that, I want to hear a spokesperson for Black Lives Matter say this is outrageous. This hurts our message. This does nothing to move move society further and make our country better. But not a word crickets. Well, where's Joe Biden? Um, Where's the Democratic Party on this? Uh, where, where, you know, these are these are largely almost exclusively Democratic cities, yep. in many cases, Democratic states. Uh, look, Brent, New York proved what works with policing. And w- what is happening now is that we are ushering in a new age of crime and violence by attacking the police. It, it, it is horrific to watch it happen. This is not a mystery. Human nature, that's what I was talking before about human nature. You know, it, for, for many, many years, New York had the lowest crime rate. It was the safest big city in America. And I, and I wrote several times, do we think that Chicago people are inferior to New York people because they have more crime? Is there something wrong with human nature in Chicago that's right with human nature in New York? Well, now we see New York is no different. And what changed? You took away the police. You handcuffed the police. You, you, you let every criminal out of prison without bail. You just opened the gates. And you told the cops, don't enforce the law, because if you do, we're going to come after you. And if and we arrest you, we're happened. not going to be able to hold this you is, because of the new bail laws. 
this is this is human nature without the police to intervene and so we've taken away the middleman the police who protect and this is what you have you have unfettered human nature nothing to stop it and so Keisha Bottoms in Atlanta is right but what she doesn't talk about is you need the police you need to respect and trust the police and of course you have to reform every institution needs constant reform but you cannot then trash the whole institution and expect it to function that's what that's what turns reform mm-hmm. into revolution that's the difference and right now we're having a revolution in the streets of america gotcha. and look who's winning right i'm sure your columns will be about this week in uh, the new york post and foxnews.com michael goodwin thanks so much my pleasure brian thank All you right, we gave you a lot to think about a lot to uh, call about one 408 we'll be back in just a moment you listen to the brian kilmeade show it's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Across America these last several weeks, we have been witnessing a very troubling situation unfold. In real time, we are watching an organized, coordinated campaign to remove and eliminate all references to our nation's founding and many other points in our history. And the huge pushback by the president to make sure that doesn't happen. That was Christy Nome of South, uh, South Dakota. Uh, let's go out to Jerry listening in Dayton. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Uh, Colin, I had called you a couple months ago with this idea. You really seem to like it. And uh, I just kind of let it go. I haven't really heard a lot. I know you've got a million things going on. But I, on Fox & Friends this morning, there was a conversation with Rachel Campos Duffy that just brought it all back about trying to get a, a Fox Nation kids section going, um, especially with, with, with the way the left is trying to rewrite history and destroy our history. And the way things are being taught in our schools, I, I just... Man, it hit me again how important I think it is that we have uh, for our kids and parents at home who might be teaching from home again this fall uh, to have that available on the Fox Nation channel. Yeah, we should do that. I will definitely consider it. I got the one series. I do have my books, uh, Thomas Jefferson, The Tripoli Pirates, for young readers, as well as George Washington's Secret Six for young readers. So they'll be able to pick that up in a way in which they can understand. Eric in Orlando. Eric. Hey, Brian. Great, great show as usual. Uh, you're looking for solutions. I have a quick one. Maybe the Redskins should take the, the Indian off the helmet and put three Redskin potatoes. Problem solved. But uh, as far as the changing of everything, it seems like the left is immune because if you look at the history of uh, Elijah Yale, um, he not only owned slaves, he went down to Savannah and bought slaves, brought them back up to New York and Connecticut and sold those slaves. He even enforced a law that said every ship going to England or Europe should have 10 slaves on board. Why don't we rename Yale University a big liberal college? That's a great point. I've never heard it described like that. I heard there was problems with Yale. I haven't looked up to it. There's problems with everybody. I mean, should we not be with Ford? With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. 
information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We will never allow an angry mob to tear down our statues, erase our history, indoctrinate our children, or trample on our freedoms. We will safeguard our values, traditions, customs, and beliefs. We will teach our children to cherish and adore their country so that they can build its future. Uh, that's the President of the United States at, um, in front of Mount Rushmore on Friday night. How did it go from the perspective of a South Dakotian who happens to be the Attorney General and an Army combat, uh, combat veteran, uh, Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army Reserves currently? He is A.G. Jason uh, Roundsborg. Uh, Jason, great talking to you on TV Friday. We speculated on how the event would go. How did it go? Well, Brian, I think it went just masterfully. I think that uh, Governor Nome put on a great display of organizing the event. You know, it was very nice to see Mary Hart there, uh, former Miss South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, I thought the cr- crowd was very enthusiastic, and obviously the flyovers were very impressive and such, and also the fireworks. But it's not every day that the President of the United States comes to South Dakota, so we we're very honored that he was there, and I think it all went very well. So what about the protests uh, that would look for a while? They were going to they had blocked off the road. How did you overcome that? Well, we were in contact uh, throughout the day with our local law enforcement in anticipation of uh, possible protest. And I thought they uh, were very professional in handling it. And uh, uh, eventually we were able to uh, unblock the road and keep things moving. I was uh, I was there. You live there. I was there once. There's only one way to get there, right? So if they block that road, no, you can't actually, get there. Nope. There's actually there's actually sorry to hit you in the middle, but uh, yeah, there's two ways actually. There's two different roads. You can go from uh, uh, from both ends of the of the, um, of the monument. So from Hill City and from Keystone. Gotcha. So you're able to overcome it. Now, uh, some people are saying no masks, very tight quarters. Uh, did that worry you? Uh, no, uh, masks were actually distributed. You could get one free as you walked in the door and made it through security. And, uh, I think a lot of people had masks, but you know, some chose not. And I think it all went pretty well. So there was, uh, the people that were upset by it are, I guess the American Indians, uh, the Lakota Indians, they weighed in on Mount Rushmore and they're upset that it even exists as are mysteriously some other people. Let's listen to Simon Moya Smith. The Black Hills is ours. That's where our stories began. That is our Jerusalem. Mount Rushmore, I would believe for the United States as a celebration of their presidents. I don't see it that way. It's a desecration of our sacred site. That's where our creation story began. And it is, uh, unfortunately, uh, a tourist trap. But when you go there, people don't know the real history of it. So do you know where he's coming from? Well, about the time of our American Revolution in 1776 is about when the Sioux Indians moved into the area. And so they think that and believe that that is their sacred lands. But actually, the history goes back to around 1100 that we can date. Uh, There were the Arikara first, followed by the Crow, Pawnee, Kiowa, and the Cheyenne. So there's been a number of tribes that have uh, been in charge of that area. And... uh, like I said, they came in about 1776, held it for about 100 years, 
We made a treaty in 1868, the Treaty of Fort Laramie, and then further battles and uh, issues developed since then. Um, about 1876, they, uh, land was taken by the United States, uh, but that case has also been litigated to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, in 1980, the U.S. Supreme Court had a case of the United States versus the Sioux Nation of Indians. While the court ruled that the lands were covered by the treaty and were taken illegally, they gave them monetary compensation and with interest for 100 years. And so they got about $100 million in 1980. And so with compounding interest over the years, there's about a billion dollars sitting there, but they refused to take it. They would like to have the land back. And so that's where the dispute. And they got the, they have a crazy horse, their own memorial, right? Crazy Horse is actually right down the road from Mount Rushmore, about 30 miles. It is a magnificent uh, sculpture. The Jukovsky family has been working on it since 1948. I always remember as a kid, we went out there on a, a family trip, and they talked about how he went up with a jack, gas-powered jackhammer, climbing this ladder, and look at the uh, vision this. He, he works on it. Runs out of gas. He's got to come back down the ladder, and he he started the mountain that way in 1948, and it took him 50 years to get the face done. And I always remember that Mount Rushmore would fit on the forehead of the Crazy Horse Memorial. That's how massive it is. So it's just an awesome display. Uh, I guess so. I remember seeing it. So this is more from Simon talking about. Not only does he not like that you didn't give up the mountain, he doesn't like what you did with it. And now they have four white guys right carved right into the, the mountain. One of them being uh, Abraham Lincoln, who still holds the record for, you know, hanging the most indigenous people in a single day. It's not as easy to, to tear down, of course, Mount Rushmore as it is, it is to tear down a statue to Robert E. Lee or Christopher Columbus. But I hope people begin to understand that these were racist white men. Really? Uh, that's Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington. Well, a South Dakota historian, Adon Robinson, was actually the one that's credited with coming up with the idea of having a Mount Rushmore. And there were a number of people considered, in fact, Sacagawea, Lewis and Clark, Oglala uh, Lakota Chief Red Cloud, Buffalo Bill Cody, Oglala Lakota Chief Crazy Horse, along with the presidents, were considered but uh, Gustav Borglum, who was the, the uh, sculptor of the mountain, believed that it had a broader appeal, and he chose those four presidents. And, and they all are symbolic of some aspect of our country. Washington, the birth of our nation. Jefferson, the growth of our nation. Lincoln, the development of our nation. And Teddy Roosevelt, the preservation of our nation. Uh, I didn't think you have to qualify that. And as I, as I mentioned, Fox Nation I did, had a great opportunity to, to see, go inside Mount Rushmore, the whole making of it. It's a fascinating thing that Americans should be proud of, that FDR couldn't have been prouder of it, that Bernie Sanders just saying that, Tammy Duckworth. They all have different opinions now. Were you shocked to see headlines in around the other newspapers coverage the same speech we both watched? I thought it was great. Uh, listen to the L.A. Times, Mount Rushmore, Trump uses Fourth of July celebration to stoke a cultural war. New York Times, Trump uses Mount Rushmore speech to deliver divisive culture war. Uh, the Associated Press, Trump pushes racial divisions, floats virus rules at Rushmore. Uh, flouts, I should say. Mount Rushmore, Trump exploits social divisions, warns of left-wing cultural revolution in dark speech ahead of Independence Day, Washington Post. Are you surprised what? at those headlines? 
Well, I'm not surprised at those headlines in today's society, and everything seems to be a debate. Uh, you, we can't just have a moment where we celebrate our country, but I think we did everything we could in South Dakota to have that type of moment. Uh, if you didn't walk away being patriotic, feeling patriotic or feeling the love of your country of that event, I, I would be just greatly shocked. I felt filled with enthusiasm and proud of my country uh, from the event, and I think that's how most of the people that attended it. Uh, now, what felt. kind of attendance do you get every year? Uh, well, this is the first time they've had it in 11 years, so that's one qualifier. But I, the the uh, amphitheater was full. Uh, I think there were about 7,500 tickets uh, distributed. Uh, it was pretty full, and I think a pretty joyous occasion. Great crowd, and you know, very enthusiastic crowd. How how was your interaction with the Trump team? Did you get a chance to talk to the president? Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to the president on this occasion. I have in the past. Uh, very positive uh, working with his team uh, throughout the week and uh, also our team here with our governor, Christy Noem, who's, like I said earlier, did a great job in organizing it and inviting the president to come. I think she's going to be a contender in 2024. Is there a buzz about that? Well, there's lots of things. Uh, I'll let her speak for herself on her own political aspirations, but we think very highly of her here, and I think that she's got a shining star and uh, she can go a lot of places. I also love that the president included in his speech Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King Jr. Well, I think that that's the whole point, is that it's just not the four people that are on the mountain. that He talked about all of the American heroes, and they come from all different walks of life. And I think that they, those are men that definitely should be celebrated. And I was very enthusiastically uh, hear about his uh, new Garden of Heroes. So the Garden of Heroes will have all great Americans there, and he's got nominees right away. And let's uh, he needs another four years to get that done. Uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll see if he can get that done. It was uh, I, I love watching it. It was spectacular. I think you guys did a tremendous job pulling it off in South Dakota. And now it's uh, the president's going to move on. He's going to do another speech in New Hampshire, and I think he's going to build on those themes of of reinforcing American history. And for me personally, I think that's fantastic. But that's what the news is demanding, you to take a stand. And I hope more people would take a stand. I didn't think we'd have to get someone to be pro-Lincoln, pro-Washington, pro-Jefferson, <laughs> and, and pro-Teddy Roosevelt. But now we do. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I think these are all four very great men. Are they perfect? No, but none of us are. But I think that they all tried to do something to enhance the American experience and enhance our nation, along with all the other names he mentioned. There were a, quite a litany of names that he mentioned throughout, and I would just encourage people to learn their history. I think that's one of the things that we're failing at, is people don't learn history, and I'm not uh, for taking down monuments and statues. I think that we should learn from our history and so we don't repeat the mistakes that we've made in the past. Jason Roundsborg, thanks so much. It's been great talking to you over the last few days, South Dakota's Attorney General. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Brian. And thanks for your service. When we come back, your turn, one 866 When we come back, I want to outline and underline a Hollywood star who uh, played in the NFL, who is not backing down despite his left-wing critics on what he believes and the direction America should be heading. I'll share that story when we return and take your phone calls. 
on air, online, and on demand for 10 years. I tell you, you are always the first person I'm listening to in the morning. I would like to compliment you on having the best show on radio. Thank you. We've got a craving for a conservative like you. You guys are telling the truth, and I couldn't tell you how thankful we are. I just want to thank you for being cheerful and, you know, making me laugh every day. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. i got a few minutes here, and I I did want to get to one story to make sure I... It's one of those stories I want to make sure didn't get lost because it's for Terry Crews. I had a chance to meet him. Uh, nicest guy you're ever going to meet. Built like a house, man. The guy's, guy looks like he can still play defensive line. He doubled down on his desire to unite people, and I'm reading verbatim, despite the outrage that we're seeing because he's a black guy. He's not coming out for Black Lives Matter. He says, make sure it doesn't become Black Lives Better. And everyone starts blasting him. And instead of him cowering, or doubling back because of PR, maybe like Drew Brees did, who I think is one of the great guys in sports history. Cruz doubled down on his desire to unite people, regardless of race, after leftists whipped up an outrage, uh, outrage cycle over remarks that he made early last week, quote, that black lives matter. Cruz says, uh, says, tweeted this out. Are all white people bad? No. Are all black people good? No. Knowing this is reality, I stand on my decision to unite with good people, no matter the race, creed, or ideology. Given the number of threats against this decision, I also decide to die on this hill. Wow. So a lot of people use that term. That's not a big deal. Don't die on this hill. This is not the hill to die on. He's saying, yeah, it is. I I also decide to die on this hill. Congratulations. I know he also, besides being an actor... I'm Brooklyn, what is it, 919, Brooklyn 919, uh, Brooklyn 99, despite also hosting America's Got Talent. I think he's uh, hosting it. Yeah, America's Got Talent. I don't know how he pays the price. Who's going to want to see him go? He's funny. He's good. does a good job. He's extremely marketable. And he says like these things before. He says, I have white people in my family. I have Hispanic people in my family. Do I like them anymore because they're black or white? These are the logical questions that you and I have when we're out hanging out. We have these questions. You're having those, those conversations. The dialogue that's going on in the media, in these riots and protests, are not the conversation. Terry Crews is having the conversation we're all having. Dorothy, listen to WXJB in Tampa. Hey, Dorothy. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to ask, what your thoughts are about this. So my husband and I work, and we are, as many other people out there uh, who support Trump, we're kind of silent. We don't talk about it or have stickers on our cars or anything. So at work, however, um, it has now become very um, trepidous, I guess, or it's a concern. They're suggesting that each and every one of us Embrace the idea of Black Lives Matter. Now, they're not coming out and saying you must embrace Black Lives Matter per se, 
But what they are suggesting now is that we admit that as whites, we are we are inherently racist. And my when I was watching the president um, in this in the um, Mount Rushmore and the speech, I was praying he would say something like, "Okay, I'm putting out a provision that protects workers in the workplace if they don't agree with religion or if they don't agree with you know whatever um, they're." forcing them to agree with, which has to do with my rights or, or inalienable rights as a human being that's born as a white female or, or a white male I, or any color. I, I just find it um, uh, we're at this, this edge of uh, reality that a lot of people who are just regular people, not people that can afford lawyers if they get fired, um, for not agreeing with something. I, I, just I know we're already seeing I, it. You know, we're seeing in some workplaces. Uh, you know, the one thing I find disturbing, I'm looking at the Black Lives Matter and what they mean. So if they're for racial uh, equity, it's great. But if they're for Marxist destroying the nuclear family, I have a problem with that. If they do want to have their own country, uh, a la early years of Malcolm X, that's a little bit problematic. I want people to want to make our country better, not destroy it. And I will say what bothers me on Black Lives Matter is when you click donate, it does say you're donating to Act Blue. And Act Blue is a Democratic organization. Are Democrats supporting this? The Democratic Party that gave us the KKK? Uh, they're supporting this? So if I want to give the Black Lives Matter, what does that have to do with the Democratic Party? If I want to donate to Act Blue, I'll donate to Act Blue. One should not be to the other. It's no wonder Joe Biden outraised Trump. Thanks, Dorothy. Jeff listening in Raleigh. Jeff. How you doing? I'm just calling today because I was I'm originally from Rochester, New York, and I remember going to the Frederick Dutta statue. Or I remember, um, you know, just being around and being honored by him and Susan B. Anthony, who fought for equal rights. But let's listen. You know what would bring America together, and what we have never done, and the Bible calls for it repentance, and it's because America has never come to repentance with with uh, either Native Americans or. Or African Americans. That's that's the problem. And until we do that, yeah, this I, I don't will agree. What, what, what is what is repentance? Reparations? Repentance? Repentance? Well, they both they both have the first three letters. I just thought about that. Repentance in the Bible. And if you look it up, it means that you tell the truth about what you, what whatever Two, sin you you've okay, done. Okay, two hundred. How, how many how many years we talk about? One hundred and fifty years. How we're gonna have to go find descendants of slaves? And what if they? aren't descendants of slaves. If only part of them are descendants of slaves, they only get a certain amount of money. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Welcome, everyone. Hope you had a great weekend, a safe weekend. It means you probably were not in New York City, Chicago, Atlanta, or Portland because uh, chaos has broken out on those streets and they have themselves to blame. They're uh, politicians they put in office and the police chiefs are helpless and I feel terrible for them. I feel terrible for people that just can't get out of these cities that have become hellholes. We're going to discuss that uh, with Lindsey Graham who's standing by and Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour. 
and everything else, uh, how that's going to factor into November in the big election. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The case fatality rate is going down because we're able to save more people who are hospitalized and get critically ill. But the total number of deaths is going to start going up again um, as the number of hospitalizations starts to spike again. Scott Gottlieb weighing in, the former FDA commissioner. Coronavirus rises, disturbing levels in Texas, Arizona, Florida. How do we fight this while living through it and working through it? The president plans on doing just that. Do you like that strategy? I do. And why can't we get clear on the lethality of this virus? Tell me what my fate is. The numbers look extremely small in terms of chance of death. Number two. These aren't police officers shooting people on the streets of Atlanta. These are members of the community shooting each other. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we. this is about criminal justice reform. No, you can't. And uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom really uh, stepping up to the plate and spreading her outrage after a child at seven years old is killed in her city. On Fourth of July weekend, the numbers are staggering, and they, she's pointing to the fingers of the people that need to be pointed to. This is black-on-black black crime, and you need to be just as outraged on that as you would with a white officer shooting a black would-be suspect. Number one. We should focus on changing hearts, not changing stone. There's no end to it. Do we destroy the pyramids? They were built by slaves. The Acropolis in Athens. There's no end in sight. Uh, that is Doug Weed, historian. War on history hits a new low, knocking off Frederick Douglass in Rochester, mocking President Trump's Mount Rushmore speech that saluted our past presidents. And Mount Rushmore is bigger than that. They don't even want Mount Rushmore up there. The fight is on to make sure our greatness is not denied or forgotten. Uh, Meanwhile, let's bring in Senator Lindsey Graham. Senator, I thought that was one of the president's finest speeches. I would tell you when it's not. And in the end, I I, I was was shocked by the negative New York Times, Washington Post, um, the the L.A. Times. All thought it was a divisive speech. Well, you know, I'm, I wasn't really shocked. I mean, at the end of the day, they have a theme uh, for our country that that I think that the liberal theme for our country is out of touch with that speech. In the liberal world, uh, you do defund the police, right? In the liberal world, you remake America as if it uh, never existed. So more socialism, less cops. Uh, it, it's kind of a... It's kind of a real fight worth having. I thought the president's speech uh, at Mount Rushmore was great. The one thing I would encourage him to do is that there are voices out there that are very much part of this country that are pushing for social justice and police reform. They're different than the folks trying to remake America and destroy who we are. Absolutely. And I would love to see him put together a council, not just Daryl Scott, who loves him, but people that might be on the fence and might not vote for him. African-Americans and people in law enforcement together report to him by September 1st. We want ways to balance the playing field, to give kids of color hope that we might not think that they have. Let's find out how to help. We can't wait for the family structure to reconstitute. We have to help now. And the president does not have a... uh, uh, does not have a uh, doesn't discriminate against anyone. He'll attack anyone or praise anyone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Boy, I agree with that. You can be uh, uh, 
a dark as coal or an albino. If, if you like him, he likes you. If you don't like him, he doesn't like you. So he's equal opportunity basher and, and praiser. But this idea of a commission on policing and community policing in particular, how do we deal with a problem that Tim Scott's been stopped seven times in D.C. and over a year or two, and I've never been stopped? How do we deal with better police techniques? How do you make the policing organizations part of the community? I think it's a really good idea, Brian, and that's one way to bring people together. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, just as long as law enforcement has a seat at the table, uh, the shootings oh, yeah, are up in, yeah. in New York City, shootings are up 205%. There were 42 shot over the weekend. Nine people were killed. There was a bullet that went right through a police car. Thank goodness they just missed. In Portland, 38 straight days of unrest. In Chicago, 77 shot, 17 died. And in Atlanta, we, I told you about what the seven-year-old just got killed because their mom got close to a barricade. And it wasn't a cop. It was a protester. They were all armed to the teeth. This is not blown out of proportion. This is a problem. Well, no, it's a huge problem. And- I can show you parts of the world that I've been to where there are no police, there's no functioning legal system, everybody has multiple guns, and you don't want to live there. You don't go out tonight to eat, you just hope to get through the day. You have militias uh, providing some sense of law and order. And the mere mention of defunding the police uh, creates a vacuum. So what's happened here, this radical movement to declare war on America as we know it, and to strip the police of its ability to do its job, that vacuum is being filled by some unsavory characters. And the biggest loser in all this chaos are poor people, not rich people. It's poor people. Because they'll hire their private security. They'll move out. Absolutely. And they'll do their uh, – maybe they made their money already. So, so, Senator, a couple of things. Have you gotten a hold – because I've spent most of this weekend just trying to find out who Black Lives Matters is. Because I'm stunned by the fact that it's true. You click donate on Black Lives Matter and it says Act Blue. Act Blue is a Democratic super PAC. Right. So, Well, wh- uh, you know, this is a political movement. Black Lives Matter is a political movement. Look at their agenda. I'm not signing up. It's a socialist agenda, basically. But having said that, I was uh, doing a community meeting in Aiken, South Carolina, and I had a pastor, African-American pastor, ask me when I say black lives matter, not all lives. And I said, well, why do you ask me to do that? And And he says, it's not that I don't value other people. I value every life. But when you say, Senator, black lives matter, you're telling me that you at least get it or trying to get it. So in that regard, I said, yes, count me in for Black Lives Matter. But Black Lives Matter as a political movement is something you need to look at. And yes. it is pretty much a very left-leaning uh, political movement, which I think hurts minority families. Absolutely. If you want to help African Americans be more prosperous, then follow the uh, roadmap set up by President Trump because it actually worked. So Colin Kaepernick, I'm never against athletes speaking out, by the way, whether I agree or not. When I grew up with Muhammad Ali speaking out, his three and a half years when he was exiled, he made some of the most important speeches of his life on college campuses invited by mostly white schools. So, and Jim Brown and I hosted a show together for five years and we're still friends today. You know what role he played. So I'm never going to criticize an athlete for speaking out, but I'll take note on what they say. And here's what Colin Kaepernick tweeted out. 
Black, on, on 4th of July. Black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, and criminalized and terrorized by America for centuries and are expected to join your commemoration of independence. While you enslaved our ancestors, we reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. What does he want? Well, I just think he's, he, he's created a, uh, a, a market for himself. Apparently, in 2012, he wished everybody a happy 4th of July. Yep. So I don't think America deteriorated that much between 2012 and 2018. I think he's changed. And here's what I would say to him. America is the best hope of mankind with its flaws. And the, the key to America that's made the world better is that at the original founding, we rejected the, the king concept. We're, we're not run by a king or a royal family. Uh, the tyrant or despot doesn't exist in America. We focus on the individual, individual citizens. That's a novel way of governing compared to historical norms. Now, we started where the individual citizen focused on was a white guy. Uh, African Americans were treated as uh, property, and women couldn't vote to 100 years ago. If you keep focusing on the individual and the rights of an individual and the hope of an individual, society will march in the right direction over time. That's the beauty of the American experiment. It's about you, not the government, not some royal institution. It's about you, and we're getting better with every generation. And I did a feature with the senator who was one of the people that was kind enough to be honored with me about Fort Sumter on what made America great. And, you know, we walked and I've and if you go get Fox Nation, just click and watch this today. How many times can you watch Netflix? Go on Fox Nation and find out all these different moments in America's past. But I don't know how many times you walk that path where you look on the left, there's the 54th Massachusetts Infantry. And on the right is a Confederate war general. And you said... Um, they were right. You pointed to the 54th All-Black Regiment, and you looked at the officer, and he says they were wrong. But it doesn't mean they were bad people. Yeah, I mean, we're all captive of the times in which we live in. You'll have some some people who speak out when it's hard of every generation. But I think it's unfair to take a person's life story and, and capitalize it in a one speech, or to judge them based on 2020 standards versus, say, 1820. So the bottom line is historical judging has to be put in the context and the times of which we live and the overall person, like Robert E. Lee. He contributed greatly to the healing of the nation. He told the Confederate soldiers, lay down your weapons, Go back to your homes and be good citizens. So that was a that was an act of healing that was needed for the times. You certainly can criticize for being in charge of the rebellion, but that's what I'm looking for is judging people in history based on the times they uh, lived in and, and a, a deeper perspective rather than just one issue like race or any, any other single issue. So uh, the NBA is coming back. And they're going to have Black Lives Matter on the court. And you're allowed to put phrases or stand up for a cause on your shirt. I think that's going to whatever you want to put on there. 
Uh, I remember the XFL did He Hate Me, or they had their catchphrase on there, and it kind of bombed out. So do you think this is a good move? Well, I think it's the NBA decisions to make, and we'll see what the marketplace says. Uh, the marketplace will react to this, but one thing you won't find on anybody's church uh, shirt is to free Hong Kong. The NBA is in the tank when it comes to China. You know, they're making social justice statements about our country. That's up to them. That's welcome free speech. But the NBA's organization makes a lot of money off the Chinese market, and they never lifted their voice on behalf of freedom in Hong Kong or to push back against Chinese Communist Party uh, oppression. A lot of this is market-driven. I just want to make one comment about NASCAR. I grew up in South Carolina. Uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame is in Darlington. I've been going to car races as a kid with my my dad, my uncle, from the time I was old enough to see over the dashboard. Uh, NASCAR made a decision to ban the Confederate flag inside uh, the infill uh, at NASCAR arenas. They're trying to grow the sport. And I've lived in South Carolina all my life. And if you're in business, the Confederate flag is not a good way to grow your business. The idea that Bubba Wallace, who is the only, I think, African-American driver, was upset by somebody finding a noose in the garage made perfect sense to me. So what I would tell people from outside of South Carolina, that NASCAR is trying to grow the sport. And one way you grow the sport is you take images that divide us and ask that they not be brought into the venue. That makes sense to me. So the president tweeted this out. Has Bubba Wallace apologized for all those great NAS- to all those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out that the whole thing was just another hoax? That and flag decision which has caused lowest ratings ever. Well, I don't think Bubba Wallace has anything to apologize for. Um, I do say this about the drivers. Even though it was uh, uh, a news created to hold a door open, in the times in which we live, there's a lot of anxiety. So what did you see? You saw the best in NASCAR. When there was a chance that it was a threat against Bubba Wallace, they all rallied to Bubba's side. So I would be looking to celebrate that kind of attitude more than being worried about it being a hoax. You like the president's idea of working through the coronavirus? Yeah, there's no really other option. So you can restrict public gatherings in a common sense way. We all should wear a mask. But the economy can't shut down again, Brian. No way. It's just the damage done from a shutdown economy is is pretty monumental all its own. Uh, more testing is available. Therapeutics and vaccines are in the pipeline. I think we'll have a breakthrough in Oxford, the vaccine being studied in Oxford, hopefully by early fall. And once people know a vaccine's on the way and therapies keep you from dying, uh, you're going to be more comfortable gotcha. going out and about about your business. So, Senator Lindsey Graham, thanks so much. As usual, you took me right through the break. Uh, great talking okay, to you. Thanks. And I'll talk to you again soon. Lindsey Graham, your call's next.
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You have reached the 911 police emergency line. Due to defunding of the police department, we're sorry, but no one is here to take your call. If you're calling to report a rape, please press 1. To report a murder, press 2. To report a home invasion, press 3. For all other crimes, leave your name and number, and someone will get back to you. Our estimated wait time is currently five days. Goodbye. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. That's what you get, and that's what we're witnessing all across the country. I wish it wasn't true, but that is a very good ad. It's an excellent ad. And you should make Joe Biden talk about in Atlanta, this seven-year-old girl. Where's your condemnation of this? Where's your condemnation of black-on-black crime? Leon, WRCN on Long Island. Leon. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, quick thing. Uh, you talk about, I want to add some perspective to Black Lives Matter. Yep. Uh, I am 68 years old. I live on Long Island now, but I grew up in segregated Suffolk, Virginia, born in 1951. Uh So when you talk about the importance of Black Lives Matter, you talk about it from a perspective that doesn't say that there are still people living who grew up in segregation in this country. And as an African-American male, I was actually glad to hear Lindsey Graham say he grew up in South Carolina. Because he and I are virtually nearly the same age. So hey, Leon, he grew if up- you can hold on, I'm going to take Brett, and then I'll go back to you if you can hold on, because I want to finish this conversation. If not, we'll get back to you tomorrow. one 408 Brett Baer is next, but that's an important call. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. These are the same politicians, Brian, that's calling for the defunding of the police. And anybody that lived back in the 80s and 90s, up until Giuliani and I and Bratton and Safer came into office and cleaned up New York, anybody that was there realizes you need more police, more enforcement, aggressive policing, or you're going to have this. And who suffers? People in the black community. That's where these numbers are spiking. They're rising. That's where the people are getting killed. Um, you want to defund the police? You're going to see 10 times more of this over the next several months. 150, 150 wounded. 150. I mean, you believe this? Uh, a shot over the weekend. I mean, this is in America. I mean, between the fireworks and the actual uh, firing, it's incredible what's happening. Uh, more from Bernie uh, Carrick. Because he was on with me uh, this morning. Let's listen. If Bill de Blasio was not the mayor, he'd be leading the charge in these protests, in these, in this sort of 
revolution, if you will. That's the way these people think. Unfortunately for us, he became the mayor. And what does he do? He leads from the front. He's diminished the authority of the police. He's taken their tools away. He's uh, he's basically destroyed 30 years of progress in New York City. He's destroyed it. And I, I can't argue. I don't even think there is a counter argument. So uh, when you see some of these things happen, what I was encouraged for, and I don't know if I played it this hour again, but what I want to see is that people react the way they're supposed to react. You don't take down George Washington's statue even if you're a Democrat and you don't want to get on the wrong side of the pulling down the statues issue so you stay quiet. A saint's pulled down, a statue of a saint is pulled down in San Francisco. Not a word from the Catholic uh, speaker uh, Pelosi. She said she was too busy saving the world in this pandemic. You believe that? So if you spray, if you don't want to condemn the red paint on a George Washington statue in New York City, if you're a Democrat, that's why I really appreciate Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms of Georgia, Democrat, obviously contender. They say, although she's very young, without any national experience, a contender to be a running mate of President uh, Vice President Biden. Here's what she said after she found out about the senseless shooting death of a seven-year-old who just happened to be in a car. Cut 14. These aren't police officers shooting people on the streets of Atlanta. These are members of the community shooting each other. You can't blame this on a police officer. You can't say that we this is about criminal justice reform. This is about some people carrying some weapons who shot up a car with an eight-year-old baby in the car. For what? If you want people to take us seriously and you want you don't want us to lose this movement, then we can't lose each other. Yeah. If you really want to solve problems, you point out what's happening in Chicago. You point out that it's black on black crime. If you want me to pay attention to Minneapolis, point out how horrified you are that 77 people are shot and 17 are dead in Chicago. Let me finish up with Leon. Listen on WRCN Long Island. Leon. Oh, well, Black Lives Matter. Is there a difference in the right, is there a difference between the movement, the actual organization, and the sentiment? I understand the position you're taking, Brian, but I think you're taking it out of perspective a little okay. bit. And I started this conversation by saying that I am a 68 year old black man that grew up in segregated Suffolk, Virginia, until I was 12 years old. A two-room school, two teachers, and six grades. Do you understand that? I moved to New York and moved to Long Island where I know you live. And if you think about the segregated pockets of community on Long Island, fortunately for me, I was able to move into probably your hometown of Massapequa, which is somewhat segregated, somewhat integrated, but it's not. My point is this. You can't lose perspective as to what they're trying to do with the movement of Black Lives Matter. And Keisha Lance Bottom is absolutely correct. You can't shoot up our children. You can't shoot up our families. But by the same token, you can't use incidents like that to paint an entire community with one brush. Because if that was the case, I'd still be angry because the white kids that grew up with me in Virginia, they rode school buses. I walked to school. They had, they had schools, multiple rooms, and multiple teachers. And as I said before, I had two teachers with six grades in a two-room school. So you understand that's what Black Lives Matter 
is, is that's the perspective from which Black Lives Matter, and that's the position they take, is that we have to understand that there are polices, there are policemen who simply brutalize African-American people, particularly African-American male. And one last point I want to share with you. I got off the commuter train, which I know you ride on Long Island, because I've seen you on it, at 10 o'clock at night, walked across the street while the police watched me walk across a major highway on Long Island, and he still pulled me over at 10 o'clock at night as he watched me get off the train. That's what we're talking about, about Absolutely. systemic racism. Yeah, I don't see. I don't know, really know what you mean by I take a position. What I said, I spent the weekend looking at Black Lives Matter because I watched uh, that ESPN anchor, defensive uh, lineman, um, uh, his name just to lose me right now. I actually retweeted his comments, and he said, I've been fighting for Black Lives Matter since I've been a black guy since 1974. That when, That's when he was born. And he said... Uh, this this organization started in 2013, and he said they, in their words, they were against the nuclear family, and he couldn't sign on to that, and he couldn't sign on to a few things. He thinks Black Lives Matter, but didn't like the organization. I'll give you another example. I might be for helping veterans, but I not I might not be for wounded warriors because wounded warriors. Had so I worked for them for ten years, and there was some problems, and they were ro- erroneously accused of something by CBS. But while they refit, while they rebooted, I'm doing much more folds of honor now. I've never stopped supporting veterans. I just had to pick, pick a different organization. So I don't think that Black Lives. I want to know if Black Lives Matter really is the umbrella group for the sentiment and the issue that you're discussing. Do you follow me? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I understand you perfectly, and I really appreciate you having this in, this engaged conversation because all I want to do is put it in perspective. When you think of the police choking Eric Garner on the streets of Staten Island, right? And he said, "I can't breathe." And then George Floyd, the officer, had his knee on his neck for eight minutes and and thirty six forty two seconds. See, that's what we look at as African American men. I was in a I was in a, a, a retail store when my son was ten years old, buying a tuxedo and buying him a suit, and I'm not making this up. They followed me and my son all the way across the store, and my son finally turned to me and said, "Dad, why are they following us?" He was ten years old. That's what I'm talking it's about, outrageous. Brian. That's the it's that's outrageous. what systemic racism is to African Americans. It's you don't see it because it doesn't happen to you. You and I know you ride the commuter train because I've seen you. You have never gotten off the commuter train on Long Island and had a cop pull you over just because. And then he made me wait 45 minutes until he ran my name to see if I had any outstanding warrants. That's what we go through as African-American males. I know you have a lot of Having said that, now you are bringing me back to three weeks ago when the George Floyd video was out. That This is the yes. conversation I thought I'd be having every day. But within a few days, it ends up being a bunch of white kids wrecking Fifth Avenue, Rodeo Drive, going harassing cops, taking over cities. And I'm looking around going, what do they know? They could be sentiment. They could understand, have empathy. But why are they in the forefront of this movement? And we're like, I like you would be able in the 60s, I understand, to go to Martin Luther King and say, this is what we want changed. This is what we're doing. And by the way, I'm going to have a seat at the state in Washington. If I want to go see the president, I'm going to go see the president. I'm going to make sure that this movement uh, has a clear message. 
Your message okay, let me is leave the you, thought. Is the let me thought leave you with your one message thought. is the message I thought was going to emerge, but instead, we're getting types of things. It has. I don't know if you've seen some of the video of that chop, but you had black guys standing on the outside of this going, "I have no idea what these guys are doing." And neither did I. But let me let me give you an example of why white kids were at the forefront of the protests. And I want to respect the other callers. And I know you've given me more time yeah. than I probably would have normally gotten. Did you see the photo of the white women in the state of Washington that said that we have seen enough of black men being killed? And they linked arms, about 100 white women linked arms in front of the protesters so that they could have a demonstration to talk about the importance of Black Lives Matters. And you know why they did that? Because they understood that for black men like myself, we are subjected to systemic situations where the answer is, well, he was a rogue cop. He was a bad cop. The same cop that pulled me over at 10 o'clock at night in my designer suit when I got off that commuter train watched 10 other commuters on that commuter train walk across the street with me. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Brian. So I, hear you. I don't want you to over, oversimplify what this movement is. But do you think you're oversimplifying because thinking that all those kids in the street were there for you? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I am. Right. I don't think I am. I, thought, I, I honestly think that they were in the streets because they wanted their parents and their, the establishment to say that black lives matter is important. Of course, all lives matter. But at this point in time, I'll give you one thought, and then I, and then I promise you I'm going to hang up. Think of the kid that killed those nine parishioners in, in Charleston, West Virginia, yep. and the police captured him alive and took him to Burger King for dinner before they took him to jail. And then think of George Floyd with a $20 supposedly counterfeit bill. Do you see the juxtaposition there? Absolutely. One thing, the Burger King thing I did not know about. I'm going to read you something, though. I'm going to hold on to you for a second. Uh, the Terry Crews quote, and for those people, I read it earlier, but I'm not. I don't. A lot of times, people take the show different hours, so I'll just. Terry Crews is the uh, actor, former uh, NFL player, who is now hosting, uh, who's hosting Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he's now hosting America's Got Talent. He's getting a lot of blowback for a tweet that he put out, and here it is. He said. Uh, he doubles down, and the headline was, he doubles down a desire to unite people despite leftist outrage. I decided to die on this hill. Here's what he tweeted out. Are all white people bad? No. Are all black people good? No. Knowing this reality, I stand on my decision to unite with good people, no matter the race, creed, or ideology. Given the number of threats against that decision, I also decide to die on this hill. How do you feel about that? I feel that Terry's entitled to his opinion. I personally disagree with him, but no, not all white people are bad and not all black people are bad. All right. As I said to you, I could still be angry at 68, soon to be 69 for my childhood growing up in Suffolk, Virginia, when I lived through segregation. So I disagree with Terry, but I understand that he also speaks from a privilege. And the privilege that Terry Cruz speaks from is that he started, he had an NFL career, which enriched him and his family. So he doesn't he doesn't encounter the difficulties associated with just having a lifestyle where you're trying to meet ends meet. Well, possibly, uh, but that's Mr. when he Garner, became an adult. I have no idea how he grew up. I mean, 
And when when you when he was playing, they were making like think Terry Bradshaw made two hundred thousand dollars, and he was considered the best quarterback in the league. So I don't know. If it's I agree privilege, with you, but but hey, Leon, keep calling. Love the perspective, and next time you see him in the train, please say hello. No, I'm not doing that, Brian, because then you're going to think I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, I don't want you to think you're a fan. I know you're not a fan, but I'm glad you listen. one 408 We're going to come back with all your calls. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, let's get busy on the phones now. In Orlando, um... Bo wants to respond to Leon, and that was a great call from Leon. I appreciate it. Bo. Hi, how are you, Brian? Great. What's your response? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he says that white people don't go through that kind of stuff. I'm a big guy. I have tattoos, you know, and I've been stopped for walking in a neighborhood in the middle of the night. I used to be a truck driver, and I parked my truck, go to walk to my vehicle, and every single weekend, without fail, I would get stopped saying they had a report of a suspicious person at 3 o'clock in the morning. I've also been stopped for parking my motorcycle in front of a bank because they thought I was going to rob the bank, even though I'm just sitting on my bike getting ready to get my money out. Uh, you know, and I went through the whole click, the whole thing. Where's your license? Where's your concealed carry permit? Where's this, that, that, this, looking for anything to bust me. You know, it's not about your skin color. It's about them doing their job. I understand that. But sometimes they profile people, and everybody's got a taste of that. I've been stopped driving, uh, doing the speed limit, and they pulled me over, wanted to check to see if I had any warrants for arrest. Good point, Bob. So no, no, I appreciate it, Bob. The other thing I would add, the other thing I was didn't want to stop Leon, but small schools doesn't mean poor. I, I know so many people came from small schools, almost a little house in a prairie school system, and they just got shocked when they got to college. The other thing to keep in mind is, too, is like you and I did not grow up through segregation. That is brutal, just the thought of that. So... Everyone's got to give up to somebody else's own life experience. So other people might be saying, well, that guy's so rich, he's, or that woman's so rich, he has no problems. You're wrong. There could be drug addiction in that family. There could be a domestic abuse situation in that family. Uh, there, could be a, uh, there could be all types of things because money doesn't solve all problems. And not everybody uh, had, who has more actually has more. Ann, listen on WABC in New Jersey. Ann. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for taking my phone call. I know you don't have that much time. 375 million annual contacts that police officers have with civilians. In 2019, police officers fatally shot 1,004 people, most of whom were armed or dangerous. A quarter of those killed by cops, 235, a ratio that has remained stable since 2005. In 2018, Okay, Americans made up 53% of the known homicide offenders in the U.S. and commit about 60% of robberies, though they are 13% of the population. We're talking about African Americans. Candace Owens recently said, Black Lives Matter riots have destroyed more innocent black lives in the last month than white police officers have in decades. Your caller, very nice guy, he is very wrong about what he discussed. But, but Ann, what Completely he's discussing un- is his life experience. And I'll just, just like I, you know, you have stats, but a callers tell me that they have an experience. I can't tell them they're wrong. It sounds very, you know, that could, could happen. You know, that could have happened. I'm sure it happened if Leon said it happened. But his life experience, you can't say, is wrong. He wanted to give his perspective. But your stats are telling, and I brought that up too, uh, those stats. Thanks for the call. Michael, real quick, WABC, New Jersey. Hey, how's it going? Thanks a lot for taking my call. Um, 
I just wanted to to kind of comment on the fact that uh, for, well, first of all, uh, I thought that Leon was a great caller, um, and I thought his his uh, fact his uh, information was vital. But the only problem with it is that um, I, I do feel that in like like the other caller had said, you know, we're we're all subject to a little bit of uh, of uh, stereotyping by the police, and and you know, like Ann had just said, it, it when you do commit when when there are you know the stats behind. Um, higher no- numbers of crime uh, for from African American people. I, I do think that you know maybe cops like to check things out a little bit more in order to do. Yeah, they job under more they understand they know body language, they know trends, they know they're, they're on some level they're trying to streamline the process like we all do. But I appreciate all the calls. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, keep it here, and thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.